Hello, I'm Adam Leventhal, and welcome to the Athletics Premier League Countdown podcast. I'm not, I'm not really Adam. With the return of the 2019-20 season only days away, we're releasing 20 podcasts on the Ornstein and Chapman feed, each one dedicated to a different Premier League team. That's two podcasts a day, every day, up until football returns. Hi, I'm Joe, uh, and here's Alex. We're from the TIFO podcast. Hello, yes, we are. And uh, we are here chipping in today to help out Adam and the gang uh, by recording today's podcast with Sam Lee all about Manchester City. Adam and the team have already released uh, loads of shows. Everything that comes before M in the alphabet is already available. You can catch up with those on this podcast feed, uh, by which which I mean the Ornstein and Chapman podcast feed. If you're listening on TIFO, you won't find them here. Uh, and also via the Athletic app. And if you're not already a subscriber, you can sign up right now and take advantage of our 30-day free trial by going to theathletic.com forward slash TIFO. Theathletic.com forward slash TIFO to enjoy the best football writing anywhere. Added to which, Sam participates on Why Always Us, the Athletic's very own Manchester City podcast, uh, which has been recording all throughout the season and all throughout lockdown. So you can go and check there for more Manchester City-specific episodes. Okay, cool. Right, without further ado, uh, we leave you in the warm embrace and the cool hands of Sam Lee. Uh, so, Sam, you've been covering uh, Manchester City all season up until during the lockdown. How were they doing back in March before the football stopped? Oh, well, this is such an interesting question, and this is probably one of the most interesting aspects of the next few weeks. And it's, it's kind of split down two lines. and One is the Premier League and one is the Champions League because, of course, they had that statement win in Madrid um, in the, the midweek at the end of February. And then they won, went and won the the capital, sorry, the the Carabao Cup. But then the last game before lockdown was that defeated Old Trafford, which just doesn't happen under, you know, Guardiola's City, but not even Guardiola's City. You know, in the last 10 years, City have done really well at Old Trafford. So it it was a shock, even though United are very capable of sitting back and hitting on the counter. City have always kind of had had enough. So it's, it's very difficult to say how they're doing. But I think the best way to put it is they're, they're not themselves. Um, they obviously came up with that great win in Madrid, which shows that, you know, they've not completely fallen apart. But they are, I think it's fair to say, some way off their best level. Yeah, there's a weird inconsistency to the team, isn't there? Because they're capable of going to Madrid and, and doing something like that and then not to discredit Manchester United too much, but then going to Old Trafford and, and doing what they did there. It's something that we're unfamiliar um, with seeing as, of, of City of late. Uh, what do you think it's down to? Well, yeah, again, and like, like I say, it's not not to be too down on Man United, of course, because obviously you know they've started to play well recently themselves. But you think of the Tottenham game when they, when they lost against Tottenham at the start of February, that was a different type of defeat because City actually played really, really well, created a lot of chances, uh, missed them, and then kind of fell apart again. And as they did in the first Guardiola season, and, and it unraveled from there. But they did play really well, and if they put those chances away, obviously missed a penalty, they'd have been fine. But against United, you had the more concerning performance, which was it was just very kind of passive and slow. They didn't create an awful lot. I mean, the game feels like about six years ago now, so I might be, I might be missing a clear cut chance that they did create, but they really didn't create a lot. It wasn't a particularly high tempo game. 
I don't think, well, you couldn't say they deserve to win by any measure. So, uh, yeah, I think that is a, a more concerning one. And that has been the problem in many of the games where they have dropped points this season. It's not like you could say they were unlucky. That has been the case in a few games, but mostly they just, they haven't looked themselves. I know I've repeated myself there, but in terms of, you know, the energy um, and their their approach and, and even cre- creating chances, it, it's just not quite been there. But like I say, with the season coming back now, the motivations might be different. And obviously that, that Madrid game, even though it was in very, you know, kind of unique unique circumstances and a very big game and the motivation would have been there, that that offers some hope for City fans going back into the season as as it as it stands. I don't know about you, Sam, but I have a tendency to enjoy um, imagining the most extreme scenario whenever something a little bit wrong happens. Um, and in Manchester City's case, I often wonder when I see them lose in a game or perform poorly in a game, where the players look tired, they look ill-disciplined, they look like they don't care as much. Um, And obviously those are things I'm putting onto the team. But when I think I see that, I often wonder, well, Guardiola, what he uh, expects from his players is is, is incredible. He's a very exacting coach and playing in in a Guardiola team for a long period of time, it might be quite exhausting. Do you ever worry when you see a poor performance that the team might just be getting a little bit of Guardiola fatigue? It's funny, the way you framed the question, because I'm the complete opposite. Right. Um, and throughout this season, although I've, you know, admitted and kind of tried to explore in great detail City's problems in various areas, I've always, as I've said already today, you know, I've been at pains to point out that they've not completely fallen apart and it's not the end of the world. You know, yeah, they are, yeah. if possible, they are they are able to make a couple of changes and, and bounce back. Um, but at the same time, even going back a couple of years, I always thought, you know, when when the Guardiola era does come to an end, it may well fall apart quite a bit just because I think, well, this didn't happen at Bayern. Obviously, the players were were like mentally and physically drained, but obviously they still had a, a good season. But I, I did always kind of think it probably will be the right time when when it does come to part ways. And it's interesting because I was speaking to Dominic Torrent, who was Guardiola's assistant um, at Bayern and, and City and obviously worked in the analysis team before that at Barcelona. And we were talking about, you know, burnout. And he said, look, if you get two things from working with Guardiola, and that is you will improve and you will win trophies. He goes, that almost always happens with every player he's worked with. Um, but it's not free. You need to be concentrated, you need to be focused. And it's very draining. But he said, it's not physically draining, but mentally, because that, approach to being 100% switched on all the time is very demanding. He said the only way you can avoid that is change two or three players every season. And if you look back last season, um, they signed Rodri and Cancelo, but Cancelo's not had much of an impact, but they did sign two. Before that, just the one when they wanted two or three. Last summer, they obviously wanted Harry Maguire, who they didn't get. So they've not been able to refresh at quite that same rate. And Torrent did say that if it gets to the stage where your message isn't getting across, which is kind of going back to your question, I don't think City are there yet, because as I've said, with that Spurs game, even though they lost, they were playing Guardiola football. They were doing what he wanted. They did it in Madrid. Um, But if that message does stop getting across, the only way you can do it is if you're incredibly lucky and the team trusts you to sign six or seven players or you've got to go as the manager yourself. And that's kind of what we've been looking at all season, really. I remember writing about that in November. You know, this team does need a bit of a shake-up if City want to keep Guardiola for as long as possible, which they do. Um, the extent to which they'll be able to do that, we don't know. But yeah, I don't think, like I said, I don't think it's all falling apart. I don't think they're all sick and tired of Guardiola. But 
definitely, as is completely normal for every club, they do need a couple of changes this summer just to refresh things a little. Okay, well, I want to come back to talk about uh, player uh, refreshing uh, towards the end of the podcast. I think we're going to talk about or, or ask you some about centre-back specifically. Um, but before we get there, presumably City's, City's ambition uh, this season, I mean, they're going to finish second, right? But w- w- where's the ambition for in the rest of the competitions? Well, yeah, winning the Champions League. Um, it's very interesting. I did wonder if you were going to say that. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's it's obvious, but you, you could not. <laughs> You couldn't not say. I mean, obviously they yep. want to win the FA Cup as well, but the Champions League is the big one. There was a lot of concern, I think. You know, I kind of feared for them a little against Madrid. I know Madrid aren't quite what they were, but they were in a good position in, in February and, you know, City weren't. So to go and get that result there was was fantastic. I mean, how the second leg's going to pan out now, you know, the, the football is completely different. We don't know. But, you know, the Champions League is a is a realistic aim. And I always thought personally that Liverpool would be their big problem there. I was convinced Liverpool were going to win it again. But obviously they're out. So, you know, Atletico Madrid would be very tough for them. You know, they've City have had some problems breaking down deep defensive teams this season. And if Liverpool couldn't do it at their best, then it would be a real problem for City. But yeah, the... The, the goal for the rest of the season is is the Champions League. And going back to the arguments I've always made, even you know before this pandemic was even a thing, and people were saying, look, the league's gone, they should prioritise the Champions League, rest players in the Premier League and make sure they're ready for the Champions League. Guardiola won't do that. You know His way of making sure everybody's fit and ready for the Champions League is to play 100%, if, even if you've got Southampton at home in in the Premier League at the weekend. you know you, that That is Guardiola's way of doing it. So they will... They will go full out, even if Liverpool win the title in the next couple of games. They will go full out in the Premier League, um, which they believe gives them the best chance in the Champions League. And that's basically, that is the big motivating factor for City coming back into the season. Okay, and as they go about that, do we have any injury concerns at particular areas of weakness? And and, and who are the team's most important players chasing that? Well, it's interesting because all of a sudden you go from this this situation in you know February, March, even before that, obviously, when you go, well, they're not the same and some things have changed. But on a very basic level, they would have been helped a lot by having Laporte and they would have been helped a lot by having Leroy Sane. Um, they do have issues that they won't be able to fix by themselves. And it may mean that, you know, Laporte is just busier. He's got to, he's got to do more defending because he'll be more exposed because of the, the lack of pressure on the ball all over the field. But that's going to make a, a big difference. I don't think they've got any any two at this moment in time I don't think they've got any big injuries to worry about everybody's back and obviously Laporte went off injured against Real Madrid in that first leg which was a big worry at the time because everyone was hoping he'd be fit for the run-in um, Sane wasn't fit but he was aiming for the second leg and now you know both both are back um, after long injury layoffs I'm not really sure it's been tested in football you know because normally after long injury layoff you work back through the season and you're given 20 minutes here 20 minutes there Nobody's really ever been given a three-month break. So it'd be interesting to see how City sports scientists have stayed on top of that. But having Laporte and Sane back, again, if we're talking in terms of reasons to be positive and all of this, you've got the Champions League result to cling to and the fact that you've got two of the best players in the league back available again. Right, I've got a question here about uh, key fixtures. Uh, looking at the Premier League, there is, of course, a game against Liverpool to come where, theoretically, there could be something to play for, Sam. Well, yeah, uh... Seems like a while ago now, but I'm pretty sure... Well, yeah, obviously, 
There is a scenario in which Liverpool could win the title at City. I can't remember exactly, forgive me, after three months and a newborn um, of not knowing exactly what would have to happen for that. Uh, but obviously, before the lockdown and, and since, um, that is an opportunity for City, most likely, not to stage a comeback in the league, but to say, look, not only can we put up a big fight when we need to, but you know we can, we can beat you, Liverpool. We can um, come and hurt you and this is you know this is us this is what we can do and this is what we will do next season and I think that would be the opportunity for that and basically you know last season they played in January after City had a couple of rough results over Christmas and Liverpool were like yeah seven points ahead and that was a big opportunity for Liverpool but City came up with one of those big defiant performances and obviously went on to win the league from there so it is going to be one of those big defiant nights obviously last season there was the fans it was a fantastic atmosphere in the stadium this time around, they won't have that. Um, so they're going to have to find their own motivations from elsewhere. You know, that that edge of the crowd isn't going to be there. And, you know, potentially they might not even play it at the Etihad. But as a spectacle, as, you know, because now football is stripped back to the players on the pitch now, you know, without the crowd, it is very different. It seems very different. But as a spectacle, we, I'm sure we'll still see a very good game because City will want to send a message. And obviously Liverpool will want to, keep up doing what they're doing and they like I say they may even be able to win the title there if they win which City will be desperate to stop happening yeah of course well listen every game uh, or every remaining City game is going to be is going to be televised live so for listeners who haven't watched them that much this season or for people from around the world joining if, if their sports are cancelled as well who should they look out for and what should they look out for Sam Oof. Uh, well we've already mentioned Laporte and Sane I, I mean and Sane is an interesting one you do a podcast in its own right about Sane, um, what he brings to the team, what he doesn't necessarily bring to the team, maybe in terms of, you know, consistency and defensive work rate and just being switched on for the 90 minutes, which somebody like Raheem Sterling does have, although he kind of hit a bit of a, a dip in form before the break in terms of his finishing. But Sane's a very interesting one, for sure. Um, but in terms of, you know, the just why you would want to watch City, you know, the old the old cliche of why you would want to pay money to watch a player, it's just always Kevin De Bruyne. De Bruyne was <laughs> the one consistently good performer in that team, or certainly the best consistently good performer, because Aguero was really good as well. But basically everybody else you could look at and say, I'm not really sure about that, not really sure about that. Mares was good, but not to the same the same level as De Bruyne. And, you know, City have had all these different problems where they've not, not looked themselves. And the beauty about City and why they've got 100 points and 98 points in recent seasons is because all these great players are a superb functioning unit as a team and it's not necessarily been about any one individual, certainly in that 98-point season. Um, but this season, they've not had that kind of collective unit and it's just been, on a basic level, to Bruyne kind of pulling them through in a way, you know, with with sometimes with goals but mainly with assists, you know, just finding the striker two or three yards out on his own. Only De Bruyne in the league can really do that. Probably only really messy in the world who can kind of do it better than him. So yeah, if, you, if you're thinking, why bother watching Man City? And I know a lot of people who aren't City fans do think that because generally you think they're always going to win and you might not like them, so you don't want to bother. But one is they might not win. They might not necessarily win. But two, just watch Kevin De Bruyne because it's one of those where we've missed football for three months. We've missed Kevin De Bruyne for three months. We've had a glimpse at life without football 
let's just appreciate it while he's here. And De Bruyne is certainly one of those players you want to be appreciating while you can. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know, with De Bruyne, I always remember on Monday Night Football, there was an episode where I think it was Gary Neville did a uh, comparative analysis of De Bruyne's deep crossing. Um, uh, and he put them up against footage of Beckham doing the same thing. And the similarities were Be- Beckham being a player I'd never really thought to compare De Bruyne to before. But actually, the similarities were um, were, were crazy. Yes, um, and that's the thing with De Bruyne, he can do it all over the pitch. And I suppose now in our mind's eye, when you think about Beckham, you don't necessarily think of of deep crossing. You think of it more, you know, Gary Neville's pushed up towards, you know, the, I suppose, in line with the 18-yard box and Beckham's gone past him and he puts the ball in from that kind of area. But obviously with a deep crossing, he can, you know, put the ball over the top of the defence or curl it around the back of them, that kind of thing. And De Bruyne is just ex- exactly the same, really. But yeah, his area as well. Obviously, the deep crossing is, that's the one you probably have in mind when you think of that incredible assist he did against Stoke yeah. at the start of the 2017-18 season. That was from a deep area. But this season, he's really nailed down that cross from around in line with the the corner of the 18-yard box. He can he can put it in from there. And if, if he gets the space to put it in and the striker makes the right run, you're basically cooked because there's nothing you can do about it by that point. The move's already started. Everything's already in place. And by the time it gets to that stage, there's, there's very little you can do. Yeah, it's such an asset. Hey, listen, one more thing before we go and talk about uh, long shots and uh, new defenders. Um, you say that obviously the aim is to win the Champions League. Now, do you predict that the team can do that? Or, I think after will, the Madrid game, I should say. Yeah, I think after the Madrid game, I got a lot more confidence in that. Um, I was, like I say, I was kind of nervous for City before that. I did think they they might struggle. And look, they've still got to get past Madrid. They've still got the second leg. And we talk about Sane and Laporte, but they'll have Hazard. And, you know, things are different for both teams. I think that's their main motivation as well. I think it's already been on the front of the Spanish papers that Zidane has challenged them to be up for that. Um, But I I think they can. I think they can. And now, like I said also, I thought Liverpool would be their biggest threat. Um, I think they can beat any teams left in the competition. Um, Barca aren't particularly strong. Atletico Madrid would be really difficult. But I think... They can do it. So, yeah, the, the short answer is yes, they can win the Champions League. And I'm more confident now than I ever had been at any point during the last 18 months, I think, that City can win the Champions League. There we go. That was it. That was the podcast. Hope you all enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us, Sam Lee. Uh, listeners, if you're not already subscribed to The Athletic, do make sure that you visit theathletic.com forward slash TIFO to enjoy all of Sam's writing on Manchester City, plus much, much more. You can currently take advantage of a 30-day free trial. And uh, if you want to try it out before committing to a full subscription, you should do just that. Yeah, Keep an eye on uh, the Ornstein and Chapman podcast feed uh, and uh, on the Athletic app to hear all of the 20 Premier League countdown podcasts, each one dedicated to a different Premier League team. And um, thanks for, for listening. I suppose there's nothing left to do but for Alex to say goodbye. Goodbye. And for me to say... Uh, uh, goodbye. Goodbye.